Hey guys. Welcome to another episode of Pew Time with Tony. And Jackie. And. Hey, my name is T. I'm Ken. And for anyone who has not met T or Ken, if you've been on Instagram, I know you've seen their videos. Um, getting reposts from Women of USPSA. Everyone and their mother shared their video last September when they did their Taylor Swift challenge, USPSA style, which is how I fell in love with them the first time. Um, absolutely adorable. If you've not seen it, you need to go and look them up and watch it. That's how you guys are known. I don't know if you know that. Like, I talked to, I was out training this morning and I talked to my buddy. He's like, who are you interviewing? I'm like, T and Ken. Do you know the Taylor Swift video that the USPSA? And he's like, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, done. Funny story about that, because um, this is before I actually met JJ or ever took a class with him. But I saw him at Area 4, and I was just there kind of watching him do his stage runs. And he saw me. He turned around. He goes, you're the girl. You're the girl in that Taylor Swift video with the sunglasses. I was like, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome that you know me or you recognize me from that. That's so cool. Yeah, that video was, like, absolutely huge. I mean, I know over time, like, I would have seen you across, you know, the USPSA shares. You know, they, like, spotlight shooters and, you know, the women of USPSA, um, which you actually got featured today in because you got your very first A-class run. Very first one. It was um, 81%. So I was very excited about that. Very exciting. But yeah, I would have run across you guys uh, eventually, but uh, lucky for me, I've had the opportunity to follow you for the last year. <laughs> Let's get into the basics, right? T, start with you. Uh, what division you shoot? What class are you? What gear do you use? We'll get these out of the way. Um, so I just started shooting USPSA or shooting in general just about a year and a couple months ago. Um, started shooting, um, getting into USPSA competitive shooting in June of 2020. And I just started off doing like practice matches with, um, one of our local instructors here. He, he runs, uh, local matches here. So, um, went from production within three months I went to carry optics and then within two months after that I started open so right now I'm shooting open division and I am a b-class shooter I'm currently sitting at about 69 percent with today's uh you know um 81 percent a run so um getting there he's very capable of making a he'll he'll come this oh, year yeah. that's my goal I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make a class by this year the end of this year yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can totally do that. <laughs> All right. So what blaster do you use? I use a Atlas Chaos right now. Okay. A lot of fun. You guys have the same uh, path going on here. Yeah. Just Production, carry optics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then open. I'll be dabbling in open um, after I shoot the Wisconsin section in about three weeks. So about four weeks from now, I'm going to start getting into open for the very first time. Oh, you're gonna love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of. Thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking that once I try it, I'll never go back. Um, which means that because we reload our own ammo, so I'm gonna have to start making my ammo and his separate. 
So you're actually, I think I saw your, your gun on your Instagram and it was, it's, it's a P320. Is that right? And you've modified yes. it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's got a Icarus frame. Uh, it's got a comp on it. Yeah. It's super cool. She's actually disassembled and undergoing some surgery, but she'll be up and rolling by the end of September. It looks super beastly. Excited for you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm very excited. Um, Ken, you also shoot USPSA Open. What are you shooting and your class? Uh, I also shoot in Atlas Chaos, and I'm currently in master class. Hopefully GM by the end of the year, but we'll see. Yeah. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. Goals. <laughs> so are your guys' uh, guns identical? Um, I have a PT grip on mine, and I believe hers is a Chili, so it's a little narrower. Her uh, trigger shoe is also an extra short, whereas mine is a short flat. Yep. Yeah, so I think those are the main differences. We both run, like, the big ape hangers, um, Sig Romeo 3XLs for our dots. Other than that, pretty much the same. Slightly different peg wells. Yeah, That's same holsters, everything. I pretty yeah. much just copied his setup when I got into yeah. He He got me into open, so I was like, okay, I want to go open, too. So pretty much um, he gave me all his... Uh, Equipment information. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna order. <laughs> yeah. So, are you guys each other's backup guns, or you guys have backup guns? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Um, we're too poor to own our own backup guns. So, <laughs> I feel you. That's what I told her. I was like, you're gonna shoot open, but it's gonna be a minute before you get a backup gun. Yeah. yeah. So don't break but, it. <laughs> yeah. Right. See, that hasn't happened yet. So, crossing our fingers. Yeah. Well, that's the good thing about you guys. I mean, you're shooting a 2011, like. Generally, at any USPSA match, especially in Texas, you can probably build an entire open gun from people's square parts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Ken, how'd you get into shooting? Uh, I shot a couple of matches casually in college, actually, way back in 2013, probably only like three matches. And then really didn't shoot much until 2019 is when I got back into it. Um, just went out and shot a match casually up in Washington. And uh, Ryan Gold, who's a, I believe he was a top 10 open shooter let me shoot his open gun after the match and that's when i was hooked and i was like i'm going full bore into open and uh from there on out i that's when i really committed to dry fire and uh competing in the sport so it's been about two years of actually being in the sport for real i'm so glad you brought up dry fire i am so jealous of your guys' setup and that's all he that's all i hear from him is did you see their backyard setup (laughs) <laughs> Did you see? I'm like, was, yeah. Are you talking about the one with the uh, the string lights in the back? Yeah. Yeah. So that was actually when I was living at my sister's house um, last year. I moved back out to my parents' house recently. But, um, yeah, she had, like, this separate little backyard area where, like, the previous owner had create, made on the side of their yard to, um, you know, back up their RV back there. So um, it's just all cement out there. And then I was like, oh, nobody's using this, so I'm just going to set it up, like, how I want to. And made really good use of it, actually. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, even your guys' uh, inside, Ken, I was watching one of your dry fire videos, and just the setup that you have, like, it's it's pretty elaborate. It's <laughs> I'm looking at it, I'm like, I'm not doing this right. Like, hmm, i got to change some things. Yeah, we um we have similar interior decor to you guys, where every wall has a dry fire target or more on it. Um, I mean, I have one on the mirror in the bathroom, so we can practice entering a tight corner 
They're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Funny thing about mirrors, uh, I realized if you put uh, dry fire targets um, in your bathroom, if you have like a pretty decently sized bathroom, and you have a bunch of big mirrors, you can actually use the mirrors to basically double your distance. And um, <laughs> it actually doubles the focal depth for your eyes, too. So if you're trying to focus on a target, say, 25 yards away, you really only need 12 yards of um, real space. But the mirror uh, actually doubles the focal depth, so you can train your vision for twice the amount of space. Oh, I love that. You can go out and buy mirrors now. Bring mirrors whole, everywhere. Like, mirrors and whole body mirrors. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Funhouse. <laughs> oh, it'll bright. It lightens up the space. More natural lighting with yep. mirrors. That's kind of cool. Can we we kind of have a the same start? I started shooting competition, and then I took a break, and then I came back. So. How long have you been shooting? Well, we started shooting USPSA 2016. Uh, 2017. Seventeen. Yeah, twenty. Well, the, it was like the last month of this of the season because we really can't shoot past October up here in Chicago because uh, <laughs> uh, cold. Yeah. So we start. We got our memberships in like September. We shot our very first match in September. Um, so then, like the following season, we were able to start. So twenty twenty sixteen is when we got our membership. Twenty seventeen is when we started actually like shooting competitions locally. But he shot uh, IDPA, was it 2010, 11? Yeah, 2010. He shot IDPA, you know, what, like? Twice. Twice, Exactly yeah. twice. Yeah, twice. twice. And never again? Or? Uh, well, I shot the classifier match because you had to be classified. And then I, my very first match, I went and shot the Illinois State Championship. Oh. And then after that, uh, I get into racing cars. Oh. And it was right after he flipped our daily driver that um, that I made him go back to guns instead of cars. <laughs> it's a, a little less expensive to uh, to take care of a gun that goes kaboom than a car that goes kaboom. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was a Pontiac vibe. Oh. <laughs> yeah, a daily. It was a daily driver. Awesome. Completely gutted. Right. All it had inside was a driver's seat. It lives in the infamy. My trophy's up there. Yeah, he still took second place, even with a flip. So nice. But yeah, no more driving, uh, no more racing our dailies. Um, now he races guns. Yeah, a little cheaper. Well, yeah, just barely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's only cheaper if you're flipping cars. If you're not flipping cars, bullets are really expensive right now. <laughs> yeah, I could have probably saved money in 2020 racing instead of shooting. Right. <laughs> I, I started shooting during COVID, and so, like, I've all I know are COVID pricing, so it's... Oh, bless your child. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's why she got so good so fast. You got to make every bullet count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. All right, so, did you guys take... I know you've taken training classes. Did you take one right away, or was it kind of... Uh, you figured some stuff out on your own, and then you thought you needed a trainer. Um, for me, I – so I mentioned I started doing a practice match first, and it was just pretty much like um, – it wasn't so much of 
like one-on-one type training on fundamentals or anything. It was more of like, this is what a typical USPSA stage would look like. And we ran through the stage and then Ryan Wilkes, um, our coach would, or my coach, um, he would, uh, you know, kind of tell us like what we did well and what we could do better. And of course, this is kind of whenever I had just bought my CZ Shadow 2 for production, like probably a week before. And then I just started shooting it. So if you see like one of my old videos on the very you know, beginning of my Instagram, like it, it was really bad. Actually, don't don't look at it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be the video uh, we're going to share for the thumbnail. Oh. <laughs> she, has the, she has the gray shadow, too, but she's got these really pretty um, colors filled in on the front station. Yep. Yeah. Our local um, our Cerakote guy did that for us. Or Vulcan Machine Works. He's, he's awesome. So okay. before we go any further, you had a shadow, too. What was yep. your karyoptics gun? Shadow, too. So I converted it. Oh, okay. Yeah, put the dot on there. Okay. Because I went from the Shadow 2 to the SIG platform for carry optics. Ah. Oh, I had the black and blue. Nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you prefer the uh, SIG the Shadow 2? I do. Um, the Shadow 2 is the first, uh, like, double single gun that I ever messed around with. I've always had, like, you know, MMPs and Glocks and just striker fire all the way. So... I mean, after, like, the learning curve and, like, the, you know, locking the hammer down and, like, the you know, watching one of my, you know, shooting mates DQ from dropping the hammer down on a make ready, uh, I'm, like, you know, it still, like, made me really nervous. Um, I got, like, really comfortable with it, so I wasn't so nervous for myself, but, like, it's still nerve-wracking to know that you have the same gun that they just DQ'd on for something you're going to have to do in a second. <laughs> so... Um, and for just like the simplicity of having the striker fire and no double single, um, my short digits, I was having a difficult time actually getting my first shot off accurately, um, without going and like sending my gun to Cajun for a reach reduction kit and stuff like that. Yeah. So the, the SIG ended up being a really nice match. I was very, I was so comfortable with the Shadow 2 because I had shot it for about a year and a half, was mm-hmm. it? Um, and then he goes and gets me. A brand new belt, a red dot, new gear. There's only three mag pouches on there. I'm like, why is there only three mag pouches? I shoot production. And he's like, well, this is going on. And I'm like, but my gun's not milled. He goes, oh, yeah, there's the gun. I'm like, oh, my God. So I was kind of forced um, by guilt gifting um, because I had gotten all of these wonderful things. Guilt gifting. Uh, he guilted me into changing divisions, um, and I told him I would give him 30 days and see how I felt about the dot. Um, but that was it. After 30, I could go back to the Shadow 2 if I wanted to, and I didn't. <laughs> I love the dot. Like, I, I don't. I would never go back to Iron Sights, to be honest with you. We were just having problems with her 320, and I'm like, we can just rip the dot off, and you can, or we can just use my 320, and it's production ready. And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, definitely uh, don't want to go back to production. This year we did shoot production nationals um, because we had signed up for it and planned to do it before I had switched over and fell in love with the Red Dot. So because we had already planned to do it, January I took my dot off and practiced, you know, with irons through May when we went to nationals. But as soon as we got back, I was putting the dot back on. Yeah, like, fuck this. <laughs> right. Are you, uh, oh, my God, she swore before you did. I was not counting on that. <laughs> I would have bets that you would have. Competitive. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> are you guys shooting high camp nets? We are. Yep. We're yes. fine. Awesome. That's October, right? Yeah, in October. I've been I've been training for it, but Ken he just recently got um, hip surgery, so he's been out of shooting for like two months now. Yeah. Um, so hopefully he'll be back on it before October. Yeah. Good yeah. recovery and like, are you you feeling like you'll be able to do that? Uh, yeah, it's a pretty uh, minimally invasive surgery. It's just to repair a hip labrum that I tore in college from lifting. The surgery in the post-op hasn't been bad. It's just I'm not really supposed to run or squat for, like, 12 weeks. So it's cutting it really close. Um, I think I'll be I'll be able to start running right as Area 4 is coming on. So I'll probably have, like, a week before Area 4 to practice movement, <laughs> and then we'll just jump straight into it, and then Nationals a month later. So it might be a little rough, but we'll see. Just uh, I think you'll be surprised that. How well you get back on. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, you will. I mean, I had to take, how long was I out for my foot? It was like four months. Yeah. I was out, I broke my foot at a match. Oh. I was out for four or five months. And as soon as I worked back in, yeah, movement was a little sketchy at first, but it took like a week. Huh. And I was back like, oh, hey, this is familiar. We're not learning anything new. We're just getting back to where I was. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So, was it like a good. what? Was it what? Was it like a fracture in your foot? Yeah. I. Uh, where the hell was I? Illinois. You were at Havana yeah. in Illinois, the Illinois State section. And I just—it looks like I rolled my ankle in my video, but I almost broke my fifth metatarsal on my right foot in half. Oh. Yeah. It sucked. I'm scared of that. <laughs> well, that's because he stepped on, like, a tree root growing up out of the ground. Somebody and it was, like, in that. the stage. Like, yeah. in the stage area, there's, like, this big old root coming out of the ground. I saw a video of that. Like, when I first started shooting, I was watching all these USPSA videos, like, hashtag USPSA, right? So I just clicked on them, and I came across, I think, Joe Farewell, where he, where he tore his ACL on one of those roots at, on um, in one of those stages. It was like a shoot house in front of him or something like that. And then the root was just kind of, like, coming out of the ground. And um, I don't know if that's the same one that you guys shot or not, but, um, you know, like, he tore his ACL, and it, was, it, was, it looked so painful. I'm scared. <laughs> I was so scared. Yeah, it was uh, – I still favor the right, like, around really un – unsettling areas mm. and I was like we were supposed to shoot all the way this year but stuff got in the way I still haven't shot that match since I broke my foot oh. every time I try something comes up last year it was canceled because of COVID yeah. this year stuff came up it's cursed for you next I told him when he does make it down there he's got to go down there with a, a blowtorch to torch the tree or an axe to chop that yeah. root out before he goes and shoots <laughs> Well, it's like a staple down there, right? That's it's one of the biggest trees on the range, and it's in the middle of one of the bays. That's not safe at all. <laughs> yeah, my my chiropractor saw it, and he goes, "Are you guys stupid? <laughs> you run around in this?" I'm like, "Yeah, you should see the gravel we run around in, because that's better." Yeah, I've seen some people take like nasty spills in the gravel. Oh yeah, I've seen a couple. 
So how often would you guys say that you dry fire weekly? I know you had um, some goals of, like, upping your dry fire time. Yeah, I, like, when I first started, I was dry firing, like, hours and hours a day, almost every single day. And then, you know, just work got busy and things happened. And so I kind of, like, fell off of that recently. But um, I was like, okay, I I shot a match, um, like, the last few matches I shot, you know, the last two months, I just did terribly. And I know it's because it was lack of dry fryer. Um, And so realizing, like, hey, we only have, like, you know, September is area four. I need to get back on it. And so I've been dry firing um, at least six times a week now and making sure, like, I'm I'm actually analyzing what I'm doing during dry fire and um, journaling everything as well. So um, I've been trying to up that a lot more now. And, Ken, even though you can't, you're limited on your movement, are you still getting the gun in your hand and getting some dry fire time in still? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I uh, pretty much touch my gun every day. Um, so I probably dry fire at least six six days a week. Um, and since the surgery, I've just been working on grip, really learning a lot, actually. It's uh, kind of been the silver lining to the surgery. I remember Good. how Lane broke his wrist. Uh, was it 2020? Yeah, or tw- 2019, I think. Yeah, and then he went and did all that, shooting uh, shooting nuts, strong hand only, I believe. So that's that's kind of been like my uh, my side of that whole story, just uh, working on grip and, and doing what I can with uh, vision and transitions while I can't do movement. So it's been nice. Nice. I completely got us sidetracked. I was asking him about classes. <laughs> it's the gym. It- I don't think so. There's not that much in there. And more. <laughs> Go back to your classes. You did your practice match. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, did my practice match. Um, and then I did, I think, like, two private lessons with with Ryan as well. And he kind of taught us, like, some fundamentals, uh, showed us a couple of drills. Um, uh, when I say us, I meant uh, Jen. Jen is uh, who I kind of started shooting with um, during the same time. So, um, yeah, we did a couple lessons with him, and he kind of showed us some drills, like uh, doubles and, like, prepping the trigger, finessing the trigger is what he called it. So, um, yeah, so really good stuff. And then I think I took my first JJ class in November of 2020. So what is that, June, July, August, September, October, November? So five months in into shooting, um, I took my first JJ class, and – um, I remember, like, one of the requirements requirements of his classes must have at least one year of experience. And I was like, mm, I don't have one year, but I think I am more capable of others um, in the five months that I've been shooting, and I have at least a year's of experience um, relative to others. So I just did it, and um, no regrets on that at all. So... When did you take when did you take your first JJ class? Uh, it was the same same one. In same one. Yeah, so I I never had any formal instruction until that one actually. Um, did you guys start around the same time? I started around 2019, so I probably so have a year before. Okay. Yeah, I just met him in the summer of 2020, so when I started first shooting. So. Yeah. Is that how you guys met? It is. Yeah, we. Uh, ah! Practice match of Ryan's actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I remember she uh, 
walked on by. I was like, hi, I'm T. And then ran away. I'm shy, so. <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, we, we were actually following each other on Instagram just because, you know, you, you kind of follow all the local shooters and everything. But um, I was like, oh, I recognize him, so I'll just, hi, I'm T. Slipped into the DMs. Actually, you did. <laughs> you did first. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Yeah, we also have a uh, a startings in the gun world is our relationship as well. Uh, we used to work at the same gun shop, uh, oh. um, so that's how we met. So, um, who came on to who first? Oh, don't don't. Don't get me started. <laughs> I Before I even worked there, I was flirting with him, and he was kind of a dick. And I was like, I got the wrong impression, apparently. He wanted nothing to do with being flirted with. I was on the customer side of the counter. Fine by me. Then I start working there, and I'm like, oh, no, this guy still. And then he decided that that would be the perfect time for him to flirt with me. Then he waited and waited, and then I was available, and then he pounced. That's not how any of this went down. That's exactly <laughs> how it went down. Okay, so Tony, what's your side of story? <laughs> uh, so, when you were a customer, you still had a boyfriend? Nope. Yes, 100% yes. And when she started working there, I'm going to be honest, I thought she was going to take my job. <laughs> That's so right. I'm like, I, don't, I don't really like this girl. Like, I'm going to give her a hard time, a real hard time. Like, he took my Glock apart, like, all 36 pieces, and put it in a brown bag. And she went out for lunch. She came back to a brown bag of parts. That's hilarious. It's hazy. 16 loose bullets and 36 parts. Uh, oh, no, come yeah, on that's, now. it's it's gun flirting. It's exactly what it is. No, 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 no. I did it to most of the new people. So that yeah, but my case. brown bag said Jackie's G19 with pink heart on it sure. with a highlighter. So. At least you got a heart. Yeah. Yeah. See. Yeah, putting on major. I'm moves. not a dick. Major moves, but it was good because. That was the first time I learned how to put my entire gun back together. So, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I have no idea how to put my Glock together or take it apart. It's a $4,000 gun kit. Really? No, no, my Glock. I don't know how to put it. I understand that. My statement stands. <laughs> you can do the whole thing with your 2011. That's not a problem, yeah. 2011, no problem. Glock, no idea. I've never taken it apart. <laughs> Well, you spend one day with him and give him a brown paper bag and a hairpin, and <laughs> you'll learn real quick. <laughs> All right. So you said first JJ class. How many classes have you taken with JJ? I've done two. Two? Second one was when, like, April? I think April. Yeah, April, April. Of, tw- of this year, 2021. So just a few months out. Four, five, six months out. Did you take a different level of his class or just the same class, but, like, to get more out of it? So his first his first class was, like, a lot of um, – I think it's still considered, like, an advanced class, but it's, um, it's, like, a lot of movement. And, I mean, this is, like, assuming that you already have kind of the fundamentals down, which I 
didn't at the time and I still don't, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's a lot of movement and like how to, um, you know, like make your runs a little bit more efficient. And then the second part of his class was, it was pretty much like all stage designs or stage runs. And so he kind of shows you how to do run through a stage and what to look out for and um, like just making things more efficient in an actual stage setting. Like how to make your plan more or less? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and his dad was there too, and his dad is so awesome. Like if you ever take in one of his classes, JJ's classes, all he does is he he, he refers to his dad a lot, which is um, I think that's really important because it's kind of like his story of how he became who he is today. Like his dad had a huge influence on him. So mm-hmm. hearing stories about him and then finally getting to meet him, I was like, yeah, his dad is exactly the way that he described him. <laughs> um, we respect both of them so much, and uh, his dad is like giving us a lot of uh, guidance and everything as well. So it's really cool. That's awesome. It sounds like his class has evolved quite a bit. I took a class. His class has evolved. Oh, yeah. So my first class sounds like your first class. There was a lot of movement training. There was a lot of rounds shot down range. I mean, a lot. Our whole class, I mean, you could you could barely see the floor on, like, the right side of the range. There was a lot of brass. Um. Trying to think what else he went over. Transitions, that was his big one in his first class, like attack control, bumps. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we we recorded pretty much the entire class, so like we'll go back and watch it every now every now and then to refer back to it and we actually um were the ones who hosted his class too, like um asked him to come come out and oh, so cool. we have nice. we have a we have the dry fire target that he actually wrote on. Um so we get to keep that as a souvenir and refer back to it. Sell it on eBay for three hundred dollars. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how many uh, how many mags ended up in mag jail? Zero. Oh. I think I had one. Yeah. Okay, you zero. Well, for me, zero because I was like, I don't want to go to mag jail. <laughs> And then so I shot, I shot super conservatively, and JJ was, like, eyeing me from the side. And he's like, T, you can go faster. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. but And then the, the drill was over, so I was like, then <laughs> I legit one. It's going to take our max. I was like, this is a, this is a fucking $150 mag. <laughs> <laughs> so you have one? I had one, I think, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. One or, yeah. How many did you have? I think I had five at one point. (laughs) I can't be around JJ and be conservative. Those two don't go together. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, on top of that, I have Donovan in my class. And Donovan and I are, we're kind of the same style shooter. We're very fast at pulling the trigger. So when we worked our attack control sequences, we had mirror images. (laughs) And he put us both up at the same time on purpose. And he would go a tenth faster. I would go a tenth faster. He'd get me by a hundredth. I'd beat him by a hundredth. And next thing I know. He's in mag jail. Yeah, where there's five of my mags are missing, and we've gone through, like, 300 rounds in, like, ten minutes. It was crazy. 
Did you feel like when you were being used as an example and JJ put you on the spot, did you feel super nervous and like there was so much pressure on you? Mm. JJ, you know, and you're in front of the entire class. He gets pulled as a uh, an example often in every class that he takes. I don't know if I – I don't really have the stage for anything. Like, from what I've done in my past, it takes a lot for me to get nervous in front of people. He used to do stand-up comedy. Oh, shit. That's awesome. So, yeah, I don't – I don't really get nervous in front of people. Now, JJ being like an idol of mine, there was a little bit of like, I re- like he chose me and Donovan for a reason. So we're going to make this a spectacle. And uh, that we did. It was, it was, I think my attention got t- pulled off JJ. I was more worried about Donovan. Yeah. It's like competitor side. Yeah. yeah. No, it was the same actually. Um, JJ pulled you, me and yeah. Zach. You were used Zach as, as an example in both of his classes. We uh, often too. Yeah, he would pit me against Zach all the time. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Zach who? Zach, uh, Zach Cam. He uh, shoots he, open and a little bit more PCC recently. But I think he a, won the Ozarks Carry Optics uh, overall. Shoots a little bit of everything. Yeah, this year. So. Very strong. Yeah. So you understand? There's. Yeah. I still don't understand how you you were used as an example and got one mag. It disturbs me a little. I think I went a little conservative. <laughs> I, I wasn't pushing very hard. Well, with like pushing hard and competing, do you feel like the two of you, especially shooting the same division, compete with each other, like against each other, um, more so than like? This is our team. Um, so we're both, like, extremely competitive. And I wouldn't say I would – like, I know I'm nowhere near his level, but I use our our runs or our stage plans or our raw time or our hits as a comparison to, for me to be more competitive. And so I compete against his time just to keep myself, you know, like, to stay competitive and, and um, like, motivated, I guess you could say. But, um, I mean, yeah, I always joke around, like, yeah, I'm going to beat you, things like that. But I know, like, and he knows that it probably wouldn't happen. <laughs> so if you mess up on the stage and she happens to beat you, she does, she rubs it in, right? Do I rub it in? Wait, do I? No, no she doesn't. Yeah. No, she's a. Yeah. Uh, you can say, you can be honest. This is a safe did, space. She did in the beginning, and then <laughs> I got butthurt about it because I'm so competitive that I legitimately was kind of upset. And then from there on out, she uh, she's she's never done it again. She's been. I've been, she's been nice. Yeah, yeah. But I will screenshot practice score and put that up in my stories if he <laughs> screws up and I beat him. No. But it's only 24 hours, so. <laughs> we won't even like if I have a stage where something catastrophic happens we won't even be off that bay and she's like I beat you look at this one <laughs> <laughs> but it takes something like totally catastrophic for me to like be like I can be like right underneath him chasing him like super super close but for me to actually beat him it's because something like awful happens, like 
Oh, nobody loaded your mags for you? That's unfortunate. <laughs> you don't load my mags for me. I will never load your mags for you. <laughs> <laughs> There are no revolutions starting today. I got news for you. Oh, next. I usually, like, he always gets stuck, like, running the timer or the pad. Um, So he's, like, you know, he's got his on his belt or, like, stuck to his magnet. He, like, throws them on my magnet. Now that I have a magnet, he throws on my magnet and he goes, be a doll and load those up for me, would you? So you trust her to, like, make sure everything is loaded the way that you want it to. It took, what was it, two or three matches where uh, I ran a couple stages, and I'm like, bing, 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 it was dry, and I'm like, uh, what? (laughs) That was also stuck when he was shooting production, and he had his SD9 mags. Like, the windows don't line up with where the bullets are, and obviously you can only have 10, so it was like, Take them out, recount them, make sure you don't have 11 so you don't get bumped up to limited minor open. So I'm like, now that you're shooting carry optics, I could just jam those suckers until they stop. I'll load your mags. I don't have a problem with it. But if you're standing there not pasting, I'm not loading your mags. (laughs) No, I load your bullets. I'm not going to load your mags also. Whoa. Pasters. (laughs) Oh, she does load my bullets sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I fill the primer tubes and I hundo everything. Mm-hmm. Checks and balances. You do manual primer tube, like you just you yeah. You got to get an auto uh, auto filler for the no. Yeah. Well, we can sit down and watch TV, and I can fill five hundred <laughs> primers up in less than like oh. five six months. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't take very long. That's what that's what we do. Our Netflix and chill is is Netflix and Dylan. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, could you imagine our cats with an auto primer flicker thing? Oh my god! No, <laughs> no. So, do you guys find any issue training at the same time if you guys are working on different things? So, like T, your B, can your A or your M, right? Do you find any issues? segmenting your own training like you train together but do you still find time to work on what you need to work on yeah we um let's say about 70 percent of the time we're training the same thing because we both need to work on a lot of the same fundamentals anyways and then 30 percent of the time we feel like we need to do something separately then we'll just each go into a different half of the bay and just set up our own array and work on our own skills separately so it works out pretty well yeah that's it I think it's pretty cool because, like, um, like he's he obviously has you know a lot more experience and everything. He's a master class, and so he like he likes to sit there and kind of watch me and correct me on on some some of the things that I'm doing. And then likewise, like, um, I'm I'm pretty observative. Like, I I know like I don't have like the knowledge and everything that um, you know like he probably does or anybody above him does as well. But um, I can notice like some things uh, like with I don't know, just just any little thing, like, and I'll point it out to him. He's like, oh, yeah, that's a great point. So I think it's, like, it's pretty good that we help each other out. Well, there's two important things there that you said, and you're completely right. Most of the time, people just need to work on fundamentals. Like, that's that's everything. Our sport is just fundamentals done very quickly. Yeah. I, and, I was last month working on grip, and I feel like I 
completely changed everything I've been doing for the last year. Last year. Just, uh, yeah, just learning so much things about something that's so basic that it's just holding a gun. Yeah. We talked pre-show about how you, like, analyze other shooters' uh, video. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you're gaining their experience, but you're developing a huge skill of just being able to analyze whether it's his shooting, your own shooting. So, I mean, that that is a big part, which is probably why you can pick apart his game easily, is you just sit there and do it. Yeah, so. I guess <laughs> I work from home, so I have a lot of time on my, on, just sitting on the computer and, like, you know, some downtime in between just watching used PSA videos. And when I first started, I was just so addicted to watching it. I was like, I can't stop. But, um, yeah, like, I'll – if I see if I see a run from, like, JJ or whoever else might be, I'll, like, screen record it from my iPhone if it's on their Instagram post. I'll screen record it and then save it, and then I'll – Frame by frame, I'll like scrub through it to see like all of their your their motions and why they did what they did, why how he trans- transitioned from this target to this target, and um, you know like those little details um, I pay attention to. That's smart. Very smart. And it's the same thing like you know basketball coaches. You know they study the other team's like plays and the movements, yeah. and you know they got one guy that you know gets a throw past like everybody else on there and we're like what is he doing differently that we could do or do better or stop them from doing like this watching watching and picking up on the little things it's very smart yeah you learn a lot doing that just watching other people's videos mm-hmm. oh, it's, it's... What you got? well I was looking through yeah, I... my phone's dead so we're relying on you <laughs> Um, do either of you ever get into a spot where you, like, don't feel like dry firing or hitting the range and the other one kind of convinces you to do it, like, to help, like, motivate, like, I'm usually the, I'm usually the naysayer, um, and he's usually got his gear on, his belt, um, you know, he's got, like, the light on above the dry fire targets, and I'm sitting on the couch under a blanket, and I'm like, no, he is, get up and dry fire. I have a feeling we're about to hear the same exact thing. That's that's us, yeah. <laughs> I can oh. tell by Ken's eyes. <laughs> yeah. He keeps he, me motivated for sure, and I'm like, oh, I don't feel like doing anything today. Can I just... Can I just chill? But I don't know. Maybe it's like a, a a woman thing. Like we have we have you know times of the month and and things like that, right? That's a valid excuse. <laughs> totally valid. You're exactly right. From now on, Ken, text me. We're gonna make our own time of the month. <laughs> yeah, I'm for it. Yeah. You do your own little video dry fire session for a week straight while we sit on the couch and eat ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I like it. <laughs> Bring <right>. the wine. <laughs> what majors you guys got coming up? September, we got Area 4, and then I think a week or two later, two North weeks. Texas Open uh, at our home range at Mission 160. And then, is it? And then Nationals at the end of October. Isn't there one more in between? Or? No, just those three. Yeah, I guess we don't have a whole lot this year. Area 4, North Texas Open, and then uh, Race Gun Nationals. 
it would be uh, it would be both of our first nationals. Yeah, I like it. The range is beautiful. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And I can't wait to see, like, I saw it in, in May for production nationals, and there's, like, all this greenery. And then I, I imagine there will be, like, fall colors in October, so the backdrop's going to be yeah. so, so pretty. Yeah. Yeah, it was really nice. This is my first nationals this year, his second. Last year when he shot the 2020 nationals, uh, October 2020, I went with as, like, the range wife. Um <laughs> Like made him drink water and loaded his mags and recorded him and it was awesome. <laughs> the second I got there, I regretted not not signing up. Why didn't you sign up? Just um, you have the ammo shortage and everything. Um, we're like, okay, so either I can shoot nationals and we can't shoot the entire winter season until the spring because God only knows when we're gonna be able to find primers. And it was like, obviously, like really really bad it was like right before elections um and right after like all like the like looting and rioting is when like it got like really really scarce at the ammo and that was when i had decided not to sign up and he wanted to you know still do it Um, you were also shooting carry optics and the only reason i was going to production nationals was to shoot that sd9 for that project yeah which didn't happen. Everybody already knows it didn't happen. But that's the only reason I went. I'm happy I went because it was the last time uh, Shannon Smith ran it. This is a Right. Which is another beautiful range. Just hopefully you like rain. I heard the humidity sucks though. Um, yeah, there's, it's like hmm. It's like sticky all day. In October. Yeah. And it's in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's nothing close by. Mm-hmm. You have to drive for, like, 20 minutes to hit a gas station. I heard uh, Talladega's the same, right? Mm. Oh, well, there's, yeah, there's there's a lot nearby. There's, like, little, like, quickie marts and, um, like, truck stops. Like McDonald's, there's like two major don't, highways not nearby. The truck stops. Don't do the truck stops. We did that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Got it. Yeah, there's cool taco places. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we stayed in, at an Airbnb. Like what, twenty minutes from the range? Twenty five minutes. Yeah, we were on a lake. It was awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're we actually booked the same um, around the same area, um, twenty minutes away, right on the lake. Yep. Yeah. It's like west yeah. of the range, right? Northwest? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys are going to have a ton of fun. Yeah, can't wait. It's exciting. You got goals for nationals? Okay, so I want to make at least top ten of women. All right, yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know if that's like far reach or anything, but um, yeah, I mean, that's my goal, and I think it's, I think it's good to set high goals so we'll see we'll see what happens yeah i don't i don't think that's far reaching for you at all mm-hmm. i mean let's think who, who's going to be there in open and pcc basically right that's kind of where we're probably going to see most of the top women mm-hmm. uh williams sisters oh gosh they are freaking amazing <laughs> who's your pick for number one for open for open overall mm-hmm. oh for uh, women 
over women. Mm. It's going to be tough. It's either I don't know to choose either Jesse or one of the or one of the Williams. Has Jesse shot open in the same match against Justine? I yeah. don't think so. I think they have. I think they whatever it was recently. Yeah, um, area three, right? I think oh, Jesse. yeah, no, because she did beat her, didn't she? Yeah, and they were both yeah. Jesse beat Justine. Justine beat Jesse. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Justine. Well, ooh, hold on. I think Justine might have shot PCC. I don't remember, but, yeah, they're both really good. I feel like I haven't seen them shoot open in the same match in recent years. I don't years. think so. Yeah, yeah, I could be wrong. I think, it was, I think she did shoot PCC. I think Jesse's been shooting limited for a bit, hasn't she? No. Or is she single? Uh, single stack. Oh, single stack. Yeah. No. Uh, I think she shot open at area three. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's it's a tough call for women because uh, God, who else is really good? Sloan. Yeah. Sloan's, Sloan's super good. Uh, so that's I mean my thing for you for top ten. You're talking. One of the Williams, Jesse, Sloan. I mean, Lena's going to be up there with a rifle for sure. Yeah. So that's five already. Uh, I also got probably top Lina, ten. Lena, Lee, Linda Turnbull. Linda Turnbull, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I see two others, but I don't know. I just, I don't know how. I so. Like, I, I know I probably have the skill to do it, but I think, like, the mental management of it is going to be tough for me, and it's always been a struggle. So, um, yeah. no, you have to kind three of... Three locals back-to-back. No. <laughs> we'll it's just three locals back-to-back-to-back. Yeah. I, I can I can try to think of it that way, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> you usually do better on, like, day two of a major, too. So, if it's well, three days, then you'll... I usually do better on day two of a major because day one I'm like, like complete dumpster fire. Yeah, so you <laughs> two and three to do well. Nationals, so it'd be better than your usual average, I think. Yeah, I have to have with me. My day one was a catastrophe. Day two was my best day, and day three wasn't as good as two, but it was still way better than one. It's because you kind of like know, like, hey, this, these are the mistakes I did the first day, and this is how I need to I need to bring it down to ninety percent the next day, right? Yeah, yeah. same here. Yeah, it was, I had so many, I was, I was trying to push so hard day one. I had so many mics. It was not even funny. Yeah, that's how it was for me for Dragon's Cup. It was bad. <laughs> I wanted to make that match so bad. Yeah, next year we're definitely shooting the Dragon's Cup. Um, that's is. in Texas. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yay. All right, Ken, what are your goals? Seeing as you shot, as soon as I asked the question, you shot over to T for it. <laughs> Uh, I was really hoping for a uh, top 20 and about 85% of high overall. Um, I'm not sure how possible it'll be with the uh, hip surgery, but uh, we'll see. I thought it was a very attainable goal before, but I know it'll be set back just a little bit. So. Either way, I think I'll learn a lot from it, and then next year will be uh, I can go for war. Yeah, I because what you got a week before Area Four, and then what two weeks after that is Nets. I think it's a month. Yeah, it's a month after that. Mm-hmm. Halfway between them is the Texas Open. Yeah. So you have a good five or six weeks. Field training. Yeah. yeah. 
month of uh, actually being able to run and do movement. So. Yeah. Don't overthink it, man. You've been how old are you? I'm 30. Yeah, so you've been running for at least 25 years. I think you got it. I feel like the amount of time that you have right now to work on, like, your grip and your reloads and your upper body mechanics. Open. He doesn't reload. That's <laughs> true. My reloads are trash. <laughs> okay, fine. Your unloaded starts, because those happen, okay? I saw you three packs the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all the time that you have to spend on those types of fundamentals, uh, I think it's going to, like, really help you out when you, like, hit the ground running lower body because you're just going to, like, everything on top is going to be, like, an absolute robot. Yeah. Like, it's going to be, like, like second nature. You know, I I just started recently working on using a different grip. Um, I'm double-jointed, so I locked my elbows out. Um, And it's, like, really hard for me to not do that. So I had to, like, focus on gripping my gun a different way to stop myself from locking my elbows out. Um, and that was, like, the only thing I worked on for, like, the last month. And the last time I shot a match, I looked over my match footage. I'm like, oh, my God, every single still, my elbows are, like, where they're supposed to be. I was It was, like, the proudest moment ever. But, yeah, like, just, like, working on one little thing for that amount of time, like you're doing with your grip, I think you're going to see, like, huge difference yeah hopefully yeah. i think the um being able to work on recoil management which has been what i consider my weakest point uh for a whole month has been super helpful just learning a ton that uh just addressing the the weakest part of my game so i think it'll be good but uh, we'll see yeah yeah it's smart you man to focus on like focus on something you can do yeah which how many? T- how often mid-season can someone say, I spent an entire month just working on one thing yeah. to make it perfect? No. Never. I ADD for that. I can't. <laughs> one thing. Even though I know I need to work on a specific thing, but I'm like, uh, I'm going to work on this next, and then I'll come back to that later. I just get bored so easily, which is not a good thing. I don't recommend it. <laughs> it still works decently in this sport, though, I feel like, because there's so much stuff to work on. So, like, yeah. Yeah. You can kind of go ADD and go back and forth between multiple things and just get a little bit of practice on everything. Yeah. I know that if I spend, like, more than just a few minutes working on the same thing and I'm kind of, like, mindlessly walking through it, I'm not actually, like, paying attention to doing it. I'm just doing the motions. Um, So I started – it was actually Tony's suggestion because that's – I have, like, a lot of my tasks set up in my phone. It's like a little alarm. So, like, every three minutes, a little alarm would go off, and that was when I would stop that one and start working on the next one. Just so, like, I know that I'm not going to pay attention after three minutes or five, or five minutes or however long I dedicate to that specific task. So I can, like, work on, like, just my draw for, you know, two minutes, just my reloads for five minutes, Um and then work on, like, my overall flow for, you know, the last remaining 10 minutes of my dry fire routine. I remember Cody Axon saying the same thing in a Shoot Fast podcast where he would set a timer, a five-minute timer, and then go from one skill to another and so that he always hits, like, most of uh, most of the main skills within a dry fire session. I thought that was pretty genius. How, how long is your guys' dry fire sessions normally? I can go between, like... 15 minutes to 30 minutes. 
maybe sometimes an hour, depending on, you know, what I'm actually working on. But, yeah, I think I definitely need to do the, the timer thing just to kind of keep myself, like, keep my sessions efficient. Yeah. I usually probably 10 to 15 minutes up until maybe 30 minutes until my hands are smoked. And then if I'm productive and I'm not doing the right grip pressures and all that, then I'll, uh, I'll just stop. Yeah. That's right around where I am is, you know, 10 to 15 as like my minimum and anywhere up to like 25 or so is like usually where I like have to tap out <laughs> unless I'm I'm working more on like, you know, getting in and out of position and there's more like movement involved than actual like gripping on it, especially now that I've worked on a good grip. My my shoulders and my forearms and my hands are killing me when I'm done. Yeah. I think it's good to keep your sessions um, short, too, because um, I guess it's kind of like similar to dog training. Um, I have a German Shepherd, and I read a lot of and watched a lot of YouTube videos on dog training. But it's good to, like, um, do sh- short training sessions at a time and stop when they're at a high versus, like, when they're drained out or they are not motivated anymore and you just keep trying to push it. Same thing with dry firing or um, training. Like, you want to stop at your highest and not start to develop bad habits, I guess, if you were to, you know, continuously do um, a session for too long. Yeah. Short, frequent sessions are better than... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think short, frequent sessions, like, even five minutes, like, we'll we'll have our guns on our desks throughout the day, and I work from home, so I'll just, like, pick it up, and he, he does the same, and so... I think even that, like just even touching your gun and doing a couple of things. Um, yeah, know. I never, I never bag my gun at home. I always keep it on my desk and like, say I'm playing Warzone or something and I die. I pick up my gun <laughs> and yeah, just pick up my gun when I die and just you know do a couple of reps of uh, trigger prep or a grip and you know just like that very frequent like twenty seconds of repetition here and twenty seconds there. I think is a little better than doing like a whole hour straight like we used to. Yeah, if you're as bad of a con player as me, you get a lot of reps. I do. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to play sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Too many trips to the gulag means a lot of reps. <laughs> hey, it's, uh, it's good visual training. Good visual That's training. <laughs> yeah, he started, he tried to get me to start playing um, Call of Duty, and I was like, oh my god, my eyes are going cross-eyed right now. <laughs> I could, there's so much going on. But it definitely is. I do agree that it is really good, like, visual training. Because you just kind of have to look everywhere in the, on the monitor and, like, yeah. see things quickly, and I, I just can't. <laughs> yeah. I grew up playing Counter-Strike, and I think – and that's how I got into guns, actually. But uh, I think I think uh, sheer FPSs really actually help you with uh, competitive shooting, with uh, the pace and the uh, just the immediacy of initiating transitions. I think it, it really teaches you a lot. When I won our very first kind of little local outlaw match, when I finally dethroned the old guys, they blamed it on me playing video games. <laughs> so. I feel like a lot of, like, the top, some of the top shooters, like, I hear them say, like, they have they all do play games. Sure, like, Vager, yeah. Joel Park, yeah. and they're all, they're all gamers. Yeah. Um, well, it's Christian Seiler who plays uh, Warzone, right? I've heard of yeah, him. Yeah, Christian does. Eric Steiner yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, your GM buddies, you. <laughs> yeah, the guys I play with, they're badasses around us. They, they play too. 
we got to start uh, training Jackie. Uh, so when he has to leave the room and he's like, here, keep my guy alive and tosses me the controller to go run to use the washroom, uh, his guy is walking in a circle looking up at the ceiling because I cannot, <laughs> like, I can personally run and move more efficiently than the character in his game. I can't make my hands do that. I don't know. I can't. I'm like, I know, obviously, which one is the trigger. Um, one of the other buttons does something else. <laughs> There's so many buttons. So many buttons. It's ridiculous. Are you console or PC? PC all the way. Oof. PC master race. Lucky there's a uh, crossplay. <laughs> he has this mechanical uh, keyboard too, and actually, I really love that sound. It's like so oddly satisfying. Yeah. Sounds, yeah, yeah, mechanical keyboard. It's yeah, like you hear all the taps and everything. <laughs> so kind of keyboard. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, you guys have fun with that. I'll be dry firing and <laughs> or fighting it, sitting on the couch drinking wine. Eating ice cream. Depending on the week. Eating ice cream. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what were we talking about? It wasn't COD. Oh, it was training. <laughs> uh, yeah. My training session is like your guys' is short, unless I'm doing that 200 reload challenge. And it takes like 45 minutes. What's the t- 200 reload challenge? How dare you? Oh. Oh. It's JJ's. He uh, told me this one. I think he mentioned it. Uh, he just like did 200 reloads. <laughs> 200 reloads. 200 straight. reloads straight in a session. Oh, shit. Yeah, that sounds oh, yeah, he did mention that. Yeah. I never actually attempted it, so. Oh, yeah. Hey, it would really suck for you guys with metal, sticky, pointy grips. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. My hands are, like, after a session or even a match, like, I don't know if you can see this right now, but my hands are just fried from that. Got band-aids sh- all over <laughs> It's super aggress- aggressive, and I, my, my hands can't handle it, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think that was the thing that I absolutely loved the most about my Shadow 2 was, like, the front strap, like, almost made my hands bleed. Yeah. Like... With how aggressive that front strap is. Oh my god. No other gun could make me as happy as the aggressive spikes on the front of the Shadow 2 back of the front strap. So I would probably love the grip on your gun. <laughs> and you, you kept your uh, Shadow 2 grip stock though, right? Like yeah. That. Yeah. the baby. Yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't done anything different. I'm just all, like, totally stuck. Yeah. I switched mine out to the um, lock grips, the bogey palm swells, and I think it just, like, fills my hands up a little bit better and gives a little bit... It's, like, a similar, not as aggressive as the um, my Atlas grip, but I think it gives me good friction on my face, so... I think that yeah. right there kind of slides around in my hands too much. Yeah, the um, I like the front strap and the back strap how aggressive they are. I wish the side the side panels were as aggressive, like in a different texture though, just like more aggressive and like sticky in my hand. I never really liked the pro grip a lot. I've used it a few times, but I'm not a huge fan. I hate that everything I touch has like white. It's just like the the dirty thing for me. I just don't like it. Um, like he comes over with like white hands, and I'm like. 
don't touch my water bottle. <laughs> Please don't touch. No, don't go. Don't grab the range bag for me. I'll grab it myself. Don't put your <laughs> grip all over it. I just don't like it. Um, it's not my jam, but if I was going to shoot my shadow too again, I would probably go with something a little more aggressive on the side panels. You can mess with T's gun. Different T. Awkward. <laughs> Different T. I you just know, put bogey, know, bogeys what? on his. So. First <laughs> Oh, yeah. I saw you guys were, he shot his first uh, used PSA matches. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he trains with Tony, um, and he shoots Shadow 2, and Tony calls him T, so, um, he's like, oh, you gotta shoot T's grips. Like, other T. We have two T's. <laughs> <laughs> has he, uh, has he rapped for you guys? <laughs> have you asked yep. him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just as fast as it, as it actually sounds? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy because I would have, I mean, back in like my high school days when it was like, you know, you listen to him on the radio and stuff. And uh I was like, oh, yeah, they probably like speed that up. Right. No, no, that is like authentically him. Yep. That is so cool. That's that's really cool that like even um I think like celebrities um, are getting into it and just kind of like exposing the sport more to, to others as well. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, I was, he just wanted to train with me. So he's a concealed carry instructor for oh, Illinois. I did not know that. Wow. And he just wanted to get better. And I sold him. He comes in the, uh, the gun shop I work at and we just hit it off from there. And he saw some of my videos and he's like, Hey, can I go out to the range with you one day? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Went out, I invited him to one of my training sessions, and it was just all downhill from there. <laughs> Next thing I know, he comes in, he's like, all right, I, I need a belt, I need a holster, tell me what kind of gun I need. Yeah, and then we trained for about two, months. about two months, and I found a match. I was like, I need a commitment that we're going to go to this match. And he's like, all right, I'm in. Let's do it. I'm done. We'll squad together. I'll walk you through the whole thing. And yeah, he did great. He classed in at C. That's awesome. Is he signed up for more matches already? Uh, he will be. Um, he still does rap. So like right now he's in Alabama. And then he'll be back and we'll shoot some more. But we gotta try and find a match that doesn't. He's he's itching. His goal. He's got some. He's got some real shooter goals. Like not just I want to shoot this gun, that gun. Like I mean, the guy can buy any gun he wants. And he's made the decision to stick with the Shadow Two until he reaches what class goal he has set for himself. That's great. And I told him I was like that right there, man. Like. You're you're a shooter. You're not a rapper who competes. You're a shooter. Yeah. Right? That's the same thing. It's no different than any of the four of us do. Here's our goal. Let's go shoot. So. Got to get him into open next. <laughs> he owns open guns. Uh, yeah, he owns yeah. two checkmates, uh, an STI, and a bull. 
You should sign him up for Open Nationals then. <laughs> Carry on, Open Nationals, one of those. <laughs> he, he's doing production right now, he said, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He loves his Shadow 2s. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was his. So he's got a tan one like what you have, T. He also has a black, black and a blue. blue. And then his present to himself for completing his first match, he had me order him a Shadow 2 Orange. Oh, nice. So. A little family of uh, S2. <laughs> well, he looked at me, he's like, so what am I going to do with these? What are you talking about? The orange is your match gun, the blue gun is your training gun, and the tan one's your dry fire gun. What more could you ask for? Right. <laughs> I guess uh, I was going to ask if you guys had anything else that you wanted to uh, touch on from, you know, this past season or upcoming seasons, uh, anything that you guys have been focusing on. What have you been focusing on? What are your your goals for next year? Let's just put it that way. Uh... Might be a little bit of a reach, but I would love top ten at nationals next year. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's possible. But there's a lot of strong shooters in open. So, so a goal that coincides with that would be being a GM. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully that by the end of this year. Yeah. 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 What about you? Exciting. Uh, long term goal would be like um. I'd like to go to the world shoot one day. Awesome. Yeah. And it's like every three years, right? So mm-hmm. I, I have some time to train. I mean, the 2019 one hadn't even happened, or 2021 hadn't even, 2020 world shoot hadn't even happened yet. So yeah. that's going to be in 2022. So I'll have three years on top of that. So I don't know. I think that'll be sufficient enough um, to train time change so well just make sure you keep on your calendar then every nationals and iptic nationals yeah is that usually the the qualifiers every every yeah. world shoot okay yeah they use our nationals and iptic nationals okay. for the three years prior they use your uh basically your finishing uh position yeah and they kind of go off that take your your height your points have Best three out of the four or something like that is yeah. last year's qualifier. Is but the next one going to be 2025 then? Or? I don't know if they're going to skip a year oh. or if they're going to do like the Olympics did. Like they're happening now, but they called them 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So they're maintaining the Olympics is maintaining their four years from 2020, not 21. Which makes sense for that. But IPSC has, like, rotating between a rifle year, a shotgun year, and pistol year, right? Right. So you can't... So then next year would be two two world shoots? But, I mean, they could do that, right? I mean, rifle is almost non-existent in the States. Everywhere else around the world, it's pretty prevalent. Same thing with shotgun. Shotgun, IPSC, in Europe is huge. Because a lot of places, they can only own a shotgun. So here it's not existent. So I guess on our state side, it really doesn't matter to us. 
Why is that? Do you know why uh, rifle and shotgun are so dead here? Yeah, I, I don't know. There was a few years ago, there was a guy trying to get a bunch of matches together. Uh, actually, when we had the first World Shoot shotgun, they put a match series together for them for basically practice for the World Shoot. Because they chose the World Shoot members for rifle and shotgun based off three gun and multi gun. Because who else uses it? No one. So we don't have Ipsic rifle. We don't have Ipsic shotgun. I would have thought that I would have picked up after three gun kind of died off. Yeah. Three I, I want it to. Like, I would love to see more, like, Ipsic rifle matches or Ipsic shotgun matches. Yeah. But, I don't know. Maybe it will pick up one day. I think it'd be fun to dabble in rifle. Yeah. I think we're going to see more and more rifle come into play, especially with uh, what Max is doing with that uh, tactical two-gun kind of thing. Oh, yeah. That looked like a really fun match. Yeah, that match looked insane. I liked his um his target that he made the kill zone. Yeah, that's creative, and it makes sense too. Like, I'd be curious how the yeah, I'd be curious how like the meta for um how you shoot targets would end up with a scoring system like that. Like, would everyone end up just trying to shoot once on the head of? Every single target, or will people still aim for the body? And I'd be curious um, what ends up being a faster hit factor in the end. Yeah, because they were still using hit factor, right? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Which is yeah. good. I wish yeah. uh, wish um, USPSA Multigun used hit factor, but I believe it's time plus. Right. And it's just like two shots on the target, anywhere on the target, or, or how is that? I have no idea. I'm not sure. Oh, it's like three gun is one one in the A zone or two anywhere else or Well that's how three gun nation was. Most yeah. not every three gun match is the same, unfortunately, no. Yeah. Weird scoring systems. Yeah. This is why three gun is not flourishing. Right. <laughs> there's so many different things. So many different variations to the scoring. Mm-hmm. It's cool how they got on ESPN and stuff though. I feel like we need that kind of Yeah. No, very cool. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. You need that kind of media for PSA to throw the support. Yes. Yeah, before it died out, there were rumors about, like, Monster Energy starting a team. Oh, what? For Multigun or? Yeah, for Three Gun Nation. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, that got pretty big. That's pretty cool. But then they... Well, we, you know, we used to be on ESPN. Oh, really? Like, yeah, like, uh, US PSA style and, uh, Colt Steel. Talk about in like the nineties. Uh, yeah, eighties and nineties. Yeah. yeah, some of those videos are still on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Jerry Barnhart and um, Rob Latham and their prime. No, Tomasi wouldn't have been on there, but Brian Enos would have been on there. Uh, yeah, a bunch of. So they still broadcast multi-gun right now, or three-gun right now? Or? No, three-gun nation dissolved. They sold. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was the big guys for a while. 
and that's actually kind of what we've been talking about on the podcast, and people are still talking about it, is Ipsic in the Olympics. That would be awesome. Right. That would be so cool. Yeah. That would be sick. <laughs> well, we were going to talk about it on the podcast. Let's talk about it now because we have people to talk about it with. Oh, good. Um, so we talked about it last podcast and kind of went through. It makes sense that we could do it, especially because we have pretty elaborate classifiers. So the stages are laid out measurement-wise. They're the same. There's a standard to be had. Right. So you can actually have an Olympic and a world record on, like, a classifier stage. I would prefer to use, like, the newer classifiers with movement and to get a more taste of our sport, but I think it would be good. So they're currently trying to do it. Ipsic is actively trying to. There are a member of two other committees that are trying to get them in the Olympic Committee. Shit. I didn't so, know that. That's awesome. This is why they don't use humanoid targets. This is why they use turtle targets to make it more sport. sport. And that's what they base their whole shooting off of. You know, in Ipsic in production, you can use a race holster. You know, it's sport. They really want people to wear the fancy shooting jerseys. So it's it's very much sport-driven. Um, and there's a lot of conversation back and forth about would USPSA have to adopt more Ipsic rules and stuff like that. What do you guys think? Obviously, you think it's a cool idea, so you don't want it in the Olympics, but do you think it could work? So, um, would, um, so with, in the Olympics, would it only be the standardized, like, classifier stages or, like, the, you know, the same stage, or were they going to have, do you think they'll have, um, like, just normal 30-round stages or whatever, you know? So, I don't know. That's, that's interesting. So... Like you had brought up, like, the rock climbing and, like, the slalom, like, the Winter Olympics with, like, the skiing. Like, they're all always going to be different things. So. The same thing with the horses. Yeah. Like, uh, I feel like there could definitely be, like, actual stages. Just because, like, the terrain is always going to be different for, like, a skier. So, like, there's going to be things that can be and will be different for different Olympians in, like, the skiing sport or, like, rock climbing or shooting <laughs> yeah so you couldn't have a world record but you could certainly have an olympic record for that particular olympics yeah i would yeah i would rather it stay true to the sport and be more about like a balance of random long mm-hmm. courses rather than just only do classifiers mm-hmm. then it's a seal challenge where you have muscle memory and just repeat the same stages right. yeah i think that's there's not as much fun in that and no, I agree. I think it should be like six or seven stages, a mix statistic wise, like big long field course, couple mediums, couple shorts. So you think it'd be like a less stages than a nationals or a world shoot? It would be like um to make it more watchable for the general Yeah. More watchable and you gotta remember it has to fit kind of what are the longest sports in the Olympics, right? Everything else is kind of fast. They're very short. And you look at, like, speed climbing, and that's seven seconds. Yeah. Right? Ski takes a little longer. That's 200 rounds. 
some of the longer sports biathlons, those are in the hours. So if we did a 30-stage national, that's multiple days. I think it would lose people. I think if we just did seven stages, it's easier to follow. I guess you wouldn't televise everyone either. Because it's how many sports are there in, in the Olympics that are time trial, like our sport, where it's only one person going at a time? Well, so even, well, technically the way the Olympics shoot is key. It is one person at a time. And so that's presumably over hours that they would get everybody in? Uh, Yeah, it's about, it takes a couple, few hours. But then they only televise highlights, essentially, then, right? Yeah, it depends where you watch it. Like, they televise, like, if you use a VPN... You can watch more of it. Like if you say you're in Britain, they televise it more because that's it's a big sport to them. Yeah, I think if if we if you don't end up televising every single shooter for our sport, you can make it very watchable. You know, make oh yeah, I no, like I, I agree. Top guys, whoever's in contention, essentially, I think would make it the most exciting. Yeah, that's the thing. I think if it was short enough. You could televise almost everyone. And the reason I'm saying keeping it short is ideally we would want to keep all of our divisions. So we can't have a 30-stage match and eight divisions. You know what I mean? guess we're going to have to axe revolver. <laughs> <laughs> in single stack. In single stack. And limited 10. Is limited 10 in uh, Ipsic? Uh, I think so. Well, they call it limited standard. Limited 10? Well, I don't know if limited 10 is. I think it's called standard. Oh, so standard 10. Oh, okay. So, I don't know. I like the idea. I think it has, I think it definitely could be televised. Okay. And people, like, people say hit factor is hard to follow. Yes, it's really not that difficult. <laughs> I think if it just, you know, like when they, like ESPN will show scores, like if, as long as they show like, okay, here are the points, divided by time, that's your hit factor. Like as yeah. As well, show. not even, you know, they made it easier now. Like, have you used one of those AGM timers? I just ordered one. Seen so one. you're not going to get one for like a year? <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Wait, a whole year? That's the wait time on it? Oh, they're horrible right now. No. Um, so have you used one? I haven't, no. I haven't, I haven't used one. I've seen what it can do, though. Like, it, yeah. Just like Bluetooth automatically to the practice score app and everything, which is. Right. So we have the technology to legitimately put the scores as they're scored on a scoreboard for someone to see. Mm. So say Ken shoots it and you have the officials go through every target's number, target one, two alpha. It'll say it, what the split times were. Target three, target four, go all the way down total time, and it gives the hit factor. Like the technology is there now to make it followable. Yeah, that's been the biggest. Go ahead. Y'all seen that uh, Russian range on YouTube called Michael Michelangelo? I think. Arching, Archangel. Archangel. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the way it's the Saint Michael range. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the way they did their videos, the videography, and then. The scoring at the end of each person's run where they have like 
the Alphas, the Charlies, Deltas, Mikes, Time, and then Hit Factor, and then seeing shooters go side by side to uh, yep. have a comparison. Like I think that makes it really exciting to watch. And yeah, a hundred percent. And it's super easy to follow that. To me, that's the biggest hurdle, right? Football didn't explode in the U.S. until we put a scoreboard on TV. Like, it was very dead. It was unwatchable. Nobody was there. But as soon as they put the scores on the television, it boomed. And that's really, I think, all we're missing here. Because it is a little harder to follow, sure. But if you lay it out for people, they kind of get the gist of it, right? Like, you can't miss the target. There's a scoring zone. And you got to do it quickly. Especially when you show two shooters side by side. Um you can see one person pulling ahead of the other or right. falling back. Mm-hmm. It's exciting, you know. It's like a, it's like a race. Yeah. Any kind of race sport. It's easy to understand. It's like who finishes first, who hit, has more hits. It's, yeah, it's simple. Uh, good for anyone with ADD, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to compare our sport to the X Games, Right. Everyone's like, oh, we're going to be Olympics. I'm like, oh, we're more likely to be in the X Games than the Olympics. And then what shows up in the Olympics this year? Skateboarding. Like, if sports like that, that are very judgmental, can be in the Olympics, I think there is room for shooting. Yeah. All right, you ready for the hard questions? Let's do it. No? <laughs> yeah. All right. So we have to go by Ipsic rules. So we have – write this down so I don't forget because we're going to get lost because you can't keep track of shit. <laughs> uh, open, standard, which is limited, single stack, production, production optics light, production optics heavy, and what am I missing? Revolver? No, no, no. Real division. Is there a a PCC division? Real divisions. (laughs) We're just going to do those. So, we have to form Team USA. Who do you pick? For open? Who do you pick for open? How many people in the team? I don't know. One. A one for each division? One for each division. I think the question that we were asked by a listener was a ladies team and a men's team. We'll get to the ladies. Well, you said a Team USA only picked one. You didn't say men's. I assumed that you were saying that women were shooters as well. (laughs) What? Hmm. There's less of a pool of women to pick from. Do the men's team first. Of course we are. Who do you pick? So pick as in like who we think should go or just like strictly based off of results from the last? Who do you think should go? Who would bring home the inaugural Open Division gold medal for Team USA? She's going to be mad if we don't see him. I mean, I I actually would pick JJ because he has more international experience than Christian. And yeah, I am biased. I picked JJ for open. This conversation is going to get real interesting real fast. So, okay. 
uh, I think I would still pick Christian. Sorry, JJ. But um, one, yeah, JJ has a lot of uh, experience, but I think, like, Christian being um, much younger athlete, like, everybody that goes into, like, the Olympics is just, like, they're just babies these days, right? And I think it's, like, if they've... Um, I think it depends on the sport, though. There's plenty of athletes in the 30s and 40s yeah. in the Olympics these days. Yeah. Depending on the sport. I mean, our sport's not a purely physical sport, so you can be 40 and still dominant. Like, that is true. Show. But I, I think, like, also, yeah, like, of course, I would like JJ, I would say JJ, I want JJ to, to go. But then, like, just looking at results based and everything, too, like, I think it's, um, I think Christian should be the one to go because, like, he's clearly dominated in you know the last you know whatever match or majors that he's done and that says a lot because he's when he's consistent and he's faster and more accurate or whatever you know like I think that's I think that's something you can't overlook I think they'd be both strong choices what say you uh I was thinking along the lines of Max and Shell for open for open really yeah. he hasn't touched an open gun in like five years and he's shooting carry optics, so it's not, he's not a slug. No, no, no. If he shoots open, he can't shoot carry optics. So are you going to oh. use him up in the open slot, or are you going to save him for production heavy, or for carry optics heavy? I'm going to take it away from Nils. That would be light. <laughs> Remember, there's two carry optics for Ipsic. The SIGs are heavy. They're not? Well, the Legion's in heavy uh. because of the weight limit. However, the Canic... Hint, hint, would be in light. So I'm going to have to go with T on Christian. Okay. Why? Why Why do you pick Christian? He, like, floored the whole country when he took, like, what, every area, every area match in 2019 or 2020. He won all the things. He won all of the things. Yeah. And he's super super young and he's not like you said he's consistent and he's not slowing down uh i can see him like dominating so Olympics. and I've, I've like listened to some of his pod you know like where he's a guest on a podcast as well and i mean i don't know him like in an actual i've never met him before i don't know how he actually is in an actual match or you know in person in whatever but I, I feel like the way that he um articulates his words he's like very he although he's really young he's like really professional as well at the same time and so I think it's like um I think in addition to his skill like he would represent you know us well too you know because he like there's there's podcasts where I've heard it where they've like started like the the host would like start cussing about something and then uh they would, um, you know, like try to convince him to do something bad or whatever. But he's like, he stays really composed, and he's like, he'll stay away from all the negative, um, you know, things. And so I, I think he's, I think he, I think he would represent our, our country well. So most people would think I would pick JJ. I'm actually going to pick Christian, <clears throat> and it's more of a strategy, hope on my side. So to me, if the Olympics host Ipsic, 
the biggest threat to the gold medal is Eric Rafael. Okay. Eric and JJ have battled it out their entire shooting career. JJ's always been the bridesmaid. Christian has never shot against Eric. Eric has never shot against Christian. While JJ has more international and big stage experience, I think JJ has that added pressure of, I have to beat Eric. Christian doesn't have that. Christian has, I'm going to win. Right? He doesn't have any previous experience to have added pressure. Yeah, he's on the world stage, whatever. I kind of hope Eric doesn't mess up hardly ever. But if you throw a wild card in like Christian, where all of a sudden Grafell's in his four, I mean, he's in the best shape of his life. He said it himself. But he's not in the same shape as Christian. So I think that might, could it throw him off, throw him off his game? Possibly. That would be my hope that it would do. And I love Grafell to death, but I would love to see, obviously, Team USA win. There's no way in hell we can let the very first Olympic gold medal Ipsic go to a French guy. So that would be open. I would choose Christian. Yeah. Ken, I think you lost this one, buddy. And JJ, I am so sorry, brother. Sorry, JJ. JJ, I'm the only one that's got your back. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) All right. Standard. So limited for us. Who you got? The watch limited. Yeah, I don't really know limited shooters. Who won limited? <laughs> who who won limited last year? Uh, JJ. Does he shoot Wait, limited? No, no, it was uh, wasn't it Mason? Oh yeah, Mason won with his legion. It was a year prior. Nils took yeah. second with minor. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah, one of those two. All right. So limited is the division I used to shoot. I'm actually going to pick Nils. So you're giving up Nils for carry optics then? Uh, Nils is a limited shooter. Don't get it twisted. Like that's his division. I actually like I haven't studied um, either their shooting um, as much or at all, really, just because. I don't pay attention to limited. Well, I think Mason's mostly like a karaoke guy, right? Or, I don't know what he shoots. Well, I don't know what his his uh, major um, division is. But either way, like I don't study their shooting styles enough to know like how they do. I know they are top performers, but um, I will say like, I mean, and, and this is biased because Mason is more out there in the public, right? But I think like the way that he. Um, like he's in a lot of podcasts, right? And he talks about the way he analyzes things. And I think like being super analytical is like a skill that many people don't have. And you have to have that skill in order to be successful in the sport. And so, and, and this is just me purely basing off of this only. And that's the only reason why I would pick um, Mason for that reason. Okay. But I don't know anything. I'm being biased because I don't know anything about Nils. Yeah. Well, if I couldn't get Nils, my strong second would be Casey Reed. Oh, yeah. So. Hmm. Um, if you don't know, you don't know. You don't have to, like, 
I'm just trying to decide, like, for carry optics and limited, I feel like both Nils and Mason are strong in both, right? Yeah, well, I mean, Mason's just very good. So Mason's predominant division is production. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, I feel like it's hard to just decide where Mason should go first. Yeah, so I chose Mason in my list. I would put him in production light or, or uh, production optics light. But he shoots a SIG as well, right? But I think Mason's good enough to put a regular polymer frame on and shoot light. Okay. I would put Max Michelle carry optics heavy. I think that's what I would do too. Those three, I think I would be pick the exact same as you. Uh, production would be Ben Steger. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, single stack, honestly, I, I honestly, it's it's between Robbie and C. Clander. I so. Yeah. But limited, it's between Mills and Casey for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the only reason I didn't put Mason there is because I think he would be better as carry optics light. If if they could shoot unlimited divisions, does that change your answer? So that that changes things then because <laughs> limited opens up, right? Because Seger is a hell of a limited shooter. Mm. So where where does it where where does it go? Yeah. And I feel like the Olympics, like choosing who would go is going to come down to similarly to like the world shoot, how they take like, you know, the nationals and the nationals into account and, you know, put in your scores and your placement overall. So I think for, I think it would be super awesome to watch people like climbing towards like their road to the Olympics for the first time. Yeah. That'd be really interesting. Because I, I think, like, with swimming or racing or whatever, or running, like, they do, the, obviously, like, you'll qualify based off of whatever U.S. national or championships that you're doing. And then on top of that, they'll have the time or the trials where they pick only the best of the best to go. So I wonder if that would be something that they would do for this one. Like, they'll have, like, a separate, they'll have all your qualifiers you use, IPSC, Nationals, and the U.S. Nationals, and then on in addition to that, they'll have a qualifier for uh, the Olympics. They probably use the world shoot. Oh yeah, yeah, I guess so. Because, mm-hmm. like in shotgun shooting, we have qualifiers around the world, and we have worlds, and then they kind of just pull from there. Because you'll hear like commentators go, "Oh, you know, whoever won worlds, you know, will she won a gold medal?" So. It's interesting. Hopefully, we see it in our lifetime. That'd be really exciting. Yeah, it would be. Although shooting sports have definitely changed a whole lot, and I know, being that you've only been in the in like the USPSA world for like a short amount of time, um, like it's it's changed a lot since you started too. Um, but it's really awesome seeing, like, all the new shooters, and especially since you've been doing it for so short of a time and gotten, like, so good in such a short amount of time where 
I still suck in C class and I've been doing this forever. <laughs> I'm like, man, you got to put in the time. It's too much yeah. time on the couch with ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I, I on that note, I need to dry fire. <laughs> Uh, I did get in a dry fire session today, uh, and I was planning on getting a second one in today, another short one. So, yeah. good thing I wasn't drinking the gin with Tony. <laughs> uh, it's always taking the gun up later. <laughs> I think, like, today there's just so many resources, too. Like, there's there's mass amounts of information, free information everywhere, too. And so I think that's, like, kind of what – what the difference is between, you know, back then to today of, you know, new shooters coming in and I like they're the new shooters are becoming more and more like um, they learn at a faster pace because there's so many resources. So I think that's, that's mainly the reason why. I totally could agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There is, I mean, Instagram just itself. Oh yeah. Has, like introduced so many new shooters to the sport. It's just really great to see. I mean, I don't know if you guys know, it's National Shooting Sports Month. It's August. Um, this is their fourth annual National Shooting Sports Month. So they started it in 2017. This is their fourth annual. And for the entire month, it's supposed to be, you know, you know, the plus one movement, you know, uh, you know, let's go, using a hashtag, let's go shooting, the plus one movement, you know, trying to, Make a goal that every time you go to the range uh, or go shooting that you take a new shooter with you or teach somebody or introduce someone to shooting sports in some way, shape, or form. So uh, I'm really, really glad that we got this chance to interview you guys today um, since you are so new to the sport um, and talking about new shooters coming in and getting people who are listening to this podcast and are going to see the posts on Instagram and Facebook for the first time go, she's only been doing it for a year. Look at how good she is. Like, I have to do this. Because um, you've really, really grown so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. I was checking the battery. Don't. It is, don't. It's not looking good. It's not touching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was awesome having you guys on. I enjoyed talking with you guys. Likewise. I would love to get you guys on after your first nationals. Ooh, that'll be. <laughs> Hopefully it goes well. That'll be the deciding factor. (laughs) Uh, You guys will have a blast. For our sake, I hope it goes really, really well. Yeah, right. (laughs) Because we want a part two. (laughs) Yeah, we're done. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for the time. It was a blast. It was a blast. Oh, my God. His gun puns are so funny. I love them. (laughs) (laughs) Wrap the show up. <laughs> you can catch this podcast anywhere that they're streamed. All podcast platforms. Please subscribe to the channel. Um, I'm like at an, an absolute loss. Pick yes. me up. Uh, if you want to send us a question, comment, concern, uh, Q10 podcast at gmail.com. Oh my god, it's so late. We are such a mess. We're such a mess. Podcast at gmail.com. Send us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook at Laugh and Load. Please tell us where we can follow the two of you. Uh, T-N-O Shooting, and that's spelled T-H-Y-N-G-O Shooting on Instagram. And mine is Ken Yang Shooting, K-E-N-Y-A-N-G. Yay. Okay, thanks again for joining us, guys. 
We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Oh. Stop recording.